excited about today. I'm excited about what God is doing in, in this church, but in our world today. We know our world is hurting and it needs Jesus. So having missionaries come, we do, we do this at least once a month because we need to be part of what God is doing. Part of the way we're part of that is supporting financially. We support quite a few missionaries. We'd love to support these guys on a monthly basis. But all that depends on your, your giving. So let me tell you how you can give. We have three different ways for you to give. You can give online. You can give with a text-to-give number. Uh, you can always give in a physical way. That's fine with check or cash. We have a box right back in the center aisle here that's kind of a silver thing. That's, you could, it'll, it's obvious when you walk back there. But we're grateful. We're grateful that you do give. You can give directly to the, to the Suttons. I almost said Duttons. Sorry, I don't, I've never even seen that show, so I have no idea why I said that. But <laughs> I am uh, already overwhelmed by today. And, I, you know, as we've been praying for God to move and seeing him move, I've really been thinking through some things about the way God moves and the way he works. And I've talked to some new believers recently that have just been curious. When you say God moves, what do you mean? What do you mean? So, well, here's the thing. We have to be open to his moving. And then he is always there. So somebody asked a good question. Well, how do you know then if he's moving? And I said, well, that's the difference is you feel it. It's not something you, you will know. It's different. It's one thing to open up the altars for prayer, but it's another thing for people to feel compelled and come. So I, I just want you to be open and be thinking about the fact that for us, it's, for us as humans, not just us in this room, we have to be open and prepare our hearts for what God wants to do and then respond to that, respond to that. It's an amazing thing. I want to I jump into this sermon because I feel like God has something for somebody in this room that is maybe, maybe not what you expected today. We've been preaching on the Lord's Prayer. You can always catch up online. I put all the sermon, we put all the sermons on our website, which are easy to get to. They're also, you can always look on YouTube even, and it's there. Um, in addition to that, we, I put the notes in the YouVersion Bible app, so you can always look and see, you know, maybe what you're missing. This prayer is something Jesus told his disciples to pray. For most of us, it's, it's, it's very familiar. It's one of the most recognized Portions of scripture in the entire Bible. Most Christians know it. I learned it like this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And then this next line, you may have heard it in different ways, but it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some people have learned it, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I actually grew up with a lisp, so I didn't like that version. It was difficult for me. You know what else is difficult? Not natural. I think if we're honest, it's not natural for us to forgive. Any of you who've had kids, what are the things you say to your kids? Something happens, what do you say? You tell them. Tell her your... Can we try that again? Tell her your... Why do we have to tell children that? Why do we have to tell them over and over and over? Tell her you're sorry. And then, I would often hear, say it like you. Can you make someone mean it? 
Now we try. We try to, as parents, right? You try to make them sorry. Whether that's a spanking or taking away a toy or telling you how bad they hurt the other person, right? But can you really make somebody sorry? I don't think you really understand forgiveness unless you're sorry. Unless you yourself have experienced the fact that you deeply need forgiven. I don't like that idea. I want to think I'm good all the time. Here's the thing. A lot of times too when we're... Jesus said, forgive, them, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Right? Have people sinned against you? Yes. Is it legitimate? Yes. Does it hurt? Yes. How do you forgive? What do you want to do? What's your natural desire? Revenge, payback, make them hurt too, ignore them, act like it didn't happen, don't ever see them again, cancel them. That's what we do. But you know what? Christianity is so deep, it's so different. It's not about that, it's about restoration. It is about restoration. Of the whole person, not just the individual, but the whole person, family, friends, nations. You know why? Because that's who God is. Think about the garden. It all goes back to the garden. When, when Adam and Eve sinned, God could have done what we naturally are inclined to do, right? He could have. But what did he do? He looked for them. He looked to restore them. He wanted to restore relationship. To me, I look at that and I think, God, really? He didn't have to. He could have just started over. Hey, I'm going to try again. Give me two new models of this. He didn't do that. Do you ever think about this? Who was wronged in the garden? Who was wronged? I mean, is eating a certain kind of fruit that big a deal? People argue about what it was. It doesn't even matter what it was. That's not the point. The point was God had told them something and they they disobeyed. But it was deeper than that. God was the one wronged. His reputation was wronged. His intentions, his creation, his, his image placed in those children of his was wronged. The enemy couldn't get to God, so he attacks his children. Any mama bears in here? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I've been hurt. But it hurts deeper when those I love are hurt. God was hurt in the garden. And what happened? The the enemy told Eve, he got her to question God's goodness, God's intentions for her, the idea that God was keeping something from her. What hurts more than that? When you, your character is hurt. I mean, it's one thing someone bumps into you in the hallway, but that's not what hurts. What is it that hurts? That they didn't say, excuse me? Why? Because it it bumps into us and you're like, I deserve to be noticed, to be a person. I'm here. It's not like it was painful. It was painful in our our reputation and our heart. When your character is assaulted or questioned or attacked, that hurts. When someone talks about you and gossips and maybe they tell a, a, a story about you that's part of the story. It's not like it didn't happen, but it wasn't that way. And they don't protect you. And you've been laid bare in front of others. Maybe you've been stabbed in the back, betrayed, a promise, a deep promise broken, a marriage vow broken. This is a prayer where we are to ask for forgiveness as we forgive. 
What do we do when we're wronged? Do we gossip? Do we accuse? Do we attack? Do we become passive aggressive, sabotage, hurt people back? You know what you're supposed to do? I think it's very interesting that Jesus, in his teachings, and, and actually every verse we're going to look at is from Matthew, he talks over and over and over how to handle this. You know why? Because it's such a common human experience in church, out of church, in family, at school, everywhere you go. Everywhere we go, we have to deal with other humans. <laughs> right? How are you supposed to handle it? Jesus said this, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other believer listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. Do you see the motivation? Reconciliation. Look what God did, even in the garden. He goes to them personally. What happened, kids? But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others, go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed with two or three witnesses. The goal is reconciliation. The first part is private. It's about trying to restore a relationship. But we don't do that today, and our world doesn't do that. Nobody does that. This, as Christians, we should be doing this. And if it doesn't work, what are you supposed to do? Gossip? No. No, you're not. You know what you should do if someone gossips? You just tell them, look, I, I, I don't do that. I know that's hard to do. Right? Because gossip's salty, right? I mean, it tastes good. Everybody wants to know what's going on. Half of news today is gossip. It's not even news. It's like, why do we need to know that? I don't even want to know half the things that are in the news about people. I don't need to know that, know any of that. You know what you should do is turn the person around. Have you talked to this person about it? Have you talked to them? I know it's hard. But you know what? Relationships are hard. They're messy. You should ask them, why are you telling me this? That's a hard question to answer. If your heart's not right, have you prayed for them? Would you want them to talk about you? Is it true? Is it helpful? Can the person solve, that you're talking to solve the issue? Is it, does it do damage to the person's character or reputation? Those are deep questions. What if that doesn't work? Then you gossip. What if, now this is getting very personal, I, I am aware. You, you, you don't probably know what we go through when we prepare sermons, but we feel God preaching to us as much as you. And as I go over and over, I'm, I'm thinking, God, how is this going to affect this and this and this? It's deep. What if you can't get an apology you need? What if? What if the person's gone or out of your life or... What if they have no idea? What if it wouldn't do any good to even talk to them? What do you do? I was talking to Pastor Newby years ago about a situation that I was dealing with with, with some people in the church that needed forgiveness. I mean, they needed wholeness. And I said, what would you tell them? That I'd tell them to forgive. Get over it. <laughs> if you know him, you, yeah. it makes you chuckle. And it made me chuckle. And he just said, what else are we supposed to do? You're supposed to forgive. And he knew that was an easy answer to a complex situation. He wasn't being insensitive. Let me challenge you on something. Be careful not to use confrontation as a self-serving weapon. 
Don't use it as a passive-aggressive thing. Sometimes that's not the appropriate thing to do. A lot of us are carrying offenses, and we're easily offended. You remember this is a prayer, right? We're praying about it because it's a supernatural thing we're asking God to help us to do. In a lot of cases, to forgive is supernatural. There's that saying, to err is human, to forgive divine. Forgiveness can take time. It's a hard thing to do. It's very difficult, though, to stay angry at a person and to pray for them at the same time. I'll I'll just tell you what happens. And I'm going to say it in a negative way. If you do not want to forgive, I mean, really, if we're honest, don't pray for them. You know why? Because what will happen is God will start to change your heart. It doesn't change the fact that what they did was wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm not minimizing it. Humans do horrible things to each other. The fact is, though, God still calls you to forgive, and it's for your good that he does it. And it can take time. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to do it? He gives some reasons. The first thing he says is because you've been forgiven. And if you don't realize that, then you're not going to be anxious to forgive. At some point in, in Matthew 18, actually, part of that same chapter we just read, Peter asked Jesus, how much do I have to forgive? I don't know about you. I, he's my favorite. Always will be. Well, what was he looking for there? He was wanting to see how close can I get to the line and not go over. You know why? He didn't want to forgive. Right? He wanted to know what's the limit. How far can I go and still, not, still be okay? And so he thought he was being generous. Because in their culture, seven was a number of completeness. He could have used 12 or there's some other numbers they like. But he said seven times. Because let's be honest, seven is a lot. Seven's a lot to forgive. I mean, how many of you have had to forgive twice and it's too much? Or three times and it's too much? Thank God our spouses don't count, right? Don't, right? They don't, right? They're like, um, nope, not forgiving today. That was five. He said to Jesus seven times. Do you remember his answer? No. <laughs> I wish, you know, I, I love watching The Chosen. I think it's a gift to the church, but it would have been so fun to see Jesus answer that question in person. And he says, no, not seven. I wonder if Peter was thinking three then. And he says, no, seven times 70. And I'm sure Peter, because I just think I know him, because he's like me. So 490? That's not what he was thinking. What Jesus was saying is, there is no limit. It's kind of like when we say a million. We don't say that anymore. A billion. No. Trillion. He was saying, there's no limit. That really challenged the disciples because they, they couldn't figure out, like, wait a minute. Never, ever, it's never enough. That's radical, 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 radical. That's, what, that's how Christianity turned the world upside down. That's how there was a revolution in the 70s, a love revolution that Jesus said, you are forgiven. There's nothing you could do that would be too much for me to forgive. And that extends for each other that we cannot put limits on it. Now, believe me, I understand. I've had to forgive hurts too. I get it. I think, though, if you don't understand your own need for forgiveness, you can't understand other people's being deserving of forgiveness. Because what we do is 
We just can't see our own flaws. We, we compare ourselves to others and we think we're not as bad as them or we minimize what we did and we literally say, wait, maybe not loud, do not say this out loud, I'm just a little pro tip here. You're overreacting. How about when we say we didn't really mean it? How quickly have your children said, I didn't mean it? We judge our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions. And as if it changes the behavior. But you still said it. And it's still cut deeper. You still did this thing. It has to be dealt with. Jesus takes our sin and our forgiveness seriously. He paid his whole life with it. It was not nothing. We often say that that salvation is free, and it is, but it wasn't cheap. It cost him literally everything. His blood shed to pay the price for our sin. And maybe maybe you're sitting here and you're like, I haven't even lived long enough to do anything wrong. Or, and I know I know many of you are just sweet, wonderful people, and I get that. But even that, you know what Jesus did? He made it even more difficult. In the Sermon on the Mount, that's where we get the, the Lord's Prayer from. He told the, the disciples that, he says, I, I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He said this, even if you're angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot. I was confronted on that not too long ago, that I use that word when I'm frustrated with people. Really felt convicted. You're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. I don't know about you, but I've read that and thought, that's extreme. You know why? Because I don't see the depth of my sin. I've justified it. It's not okay. It's not okay. Jesus goes on in that passage of scripture. I want to tie these together. Very often we only read one or two verses and there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that except for you miss the context. So if you're angry with somebody, call somebody an idiot, curse them, you're in danger of the hellfire. Has anybody done that today? This week? I know you're thinking of an instance you've done that. I know, because we're humans. We're all humans. We're all in the same pit. So Jesus literally says this. I don't use that word callously. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. You know what he's doing? He's putting reconciliation and forgiveness above sacrifice. We don't. He's literally saying, leave church, don't worship, don't pray, go make that thing right. What? Yes, he thinks it's that important. And if he thinks it's important, it's important. Our unforgiveness, it it affects everything. It affects our relationship with people, but it also affects our relationship with God. I read this this week and it really hit me hard. An unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. Because you can't know the depth of your sin if you're not willing to also forgive. Now, Jesus' blood forgives, and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying here. What I'm saying is, we're called to forgive. 
But it is a choice. It's a choice you make. Because people often don't deserve it. Guess what, though? Neither do you. I don't know. I've, it, one of the things being a pastor is we talk to people and I, I share pain that goes very deep with people that, um, more than my own. I, I don't mean more like deeper. I mean, I know a lot of stories that I just sit there in awe that people forgive. I've counseled couples where they've forgiven each other for infidelity. I've seen people forgive family members for abuse and serious abuse. And I've looked at them and I've seen the tears roll down their face and they're free. They're free. I've watched the forgiveness literally free them. It's almost like you're forgiven somebody, but you're the one that's free. It frees you in a way that it's hard to even imagine. It's, it's a healing that you can never be touched again by that, that wrong and that thing. Don't you want that? Don't you want that for the deep pains that we've walked through? Don't you want to be free and never have to see it again? But it's a choice. It's a choice to heal. It's a choice to be free. And it's a choice to be like Jesus. He did that. I don't know. I, we, we're showing the chosen on the third se- season on Wednesdays in the crown room. And the first the episode we just watched is when Jesus meets Judas. And I was, we were just discussing, do you think Jesus knew in that moment? I mean, he, he's God, but he's also with, withheld some of his abilities. I think he did. But he also forgave those who literally were pounding nails into his hands and feet, who desecrated the beautiful Son of God, who shamed him in public. He was likely naked. I can't even imagine what he did for us. And yet he forgave. I I know this is hard to hear for somebody in this room, but who are we then to not forgive? I know they don't deserve it, but neither did you. I don't know who it is that may be popping into your mind, but this is how the Holy Spirit works. He may bring to your memory somebody who you're thinking, yeah, not that guy. Or not her. Not that. I don't know who it was, who hurt you, abandoned you, lied to you, disappointed you, broke the promise, talked behind your back, hurt your kids, didn't believe in you, didn't apologize, or didn't apologize enough, or didn't mean it. Whoever it is, I'm challenging you to forgive them today. You know what happens if you don't forgive? It's like a I'm not trying to be gross, but it's just, it's just like a, a cancer or, or an infection that grows. And it, it affects you. It damages your relationship with God, with other people. The anger and the resentment, it builds and it steals your strength and it steals your joy. And you want to love, but to do that, you've got to abandon that. You've got to let it go. Maybe you don't think it's possible to forgive somebody, who I'm, whoever you're thinking of. If I could have the worship team. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe it's like Peter. He felt like he'd done enough. Seven times was enough. Maybe you feel like if you forgave them, somehow that would mean them winning. Or you're letting them off. Maybe, maybe you holding on to that offense, it gives you some false sense of control in some way. 
You're holding them to the feet over the fire or whatever. The fact is, it doesn't work that way. What ends up happening is pride and resentment grows in your heart. And what happens is, you're affecting your relationship with God. It is a supernatural thing. Please don't misunderstand me. You've been legitimately hurt. I get it. And life's not fair. I get that. I know that. But Jesus didn't really give us options here. He tied our forgiveness to us forgiving others. And I believe a big part of that is the fact that we can't even understand our own sin if we don't look clearly enough at it to see the fact that we're no better than the people sitting right around us. If you don't remove that, you slide into this, this process, this, you're, you're, you don't forgive, and then you're anger, and then you're bitter, and then you slander them, and then you resent them, and it just grows in you. It's not who God wants you to be. I could just hear someone in their mind, they're like, Pastor Dennis, you don't even know what they did. I know, I know I don't. And I know it was real. I know it. And I know it hurt. I know it. More importantly than me, Jesus knows. He knows. I want to ask some questions, though, that are very personal. And don't, don't raise your hand. But who here needs to forgive? It goes both ways, though. Who, who needs to be forgiven? Maybe you're sitting here and even talking about this, you realize maybe God has brought to your mind Something where you realize, I need to work on this. The word that was given to me earlier was, it's a great, a great idea. You know, we all, we all love Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, God has great plans for us, and he does. But we often don't read the next few verses, because it says we need to come to him with our entire heart. I feel like some of you, this may be an issue for you. It's almost like, I heard it said this way one time, Jesus is coming to your house. So you get the house all ready. Remember? You know how that is, right? You throw everything into this one room, and he's not allowed in that room. And he's like, well, show me the house. You're like, oh, okay, okay, here's the a, here's a living room, and you know, here's the kitchen, here's where we eat, here's my bedroom, here's my kids' rooms, and... He's like, what's in that room? But you don't want to open that door because there's something you need to surrender to him in that room. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it is this exact issue. But it might be something else. But you will never have the relationship with him that he desires, that you need, if you're not willing to surrender. Maybe it is pride. Maybe it is a deep sin that you need forgiveness for. You've never told anybody. I'm going to ask those of you who are ready to help us pray, if you would come forward, just get up out of your seat. Everybody else, you can stay seated for a second. I just want you ready. So come, come ready to pray. I want to mention this too. We, we have new classes starting in April. One, one of them, Brian Smith is teaching, and it's a, it's a really cool class. He's... He's told me all the topics. He's, he's laid it all out. And it goes so perfectly with this because for some of you, this may be a journey you start today and it's not over for a while and you need help.
class is, we're calling it hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Because you're struggling with some things. Maybe a life-controlling issue. It may be just unforgiveness. But it's going to talk about this. It's going to talk about that you're in pain. It's going to talk about that you need to make amends, that you, you need to know God in a different way, that you need forgiveness and you need to extend forgiveness. For some of you, after this service, it may be a while, but you need to talk to somebody and you need to just apologize. Be careful with that, because that can also be a tool that sometimes we use passive-aggressively. For some of you, you need to make reconciliation. For some of you, it means you just need to humbly forgive and tell God that you're sorry. For someone in here, it may need be that you need to accept someone's apology. And right now, you're not ready to do it. I don't know who that is. I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes. And I just want to ask something. We, we try never to miss a week where we, we always want to give people a chance to come to Christ, to know that they want to be a follower of Christ today, that they want to surrender to him their whole life long. It's a simple process. God, I'm ready. I want to be part of your family. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that were wrong accept his forgiveness for our body, for our sins, and and join this group. That's what it is. It's the good news. He takes away all of those things. He forgives completely. So I'm curious if anybody in this room today, this is your first time, and you want to say, yes, I'm ready to invite him into my life. I want him to change me forever. Anybody at all, you want to join Christ's family today? Anybody at all? All right, let's do this. I'm going to ask a more personal, well, not more personal, but personal. I do want your eyes closed because I feel like you need to respond with a raised hand if this is you. I'm just wondering if anybody in this room, you know you need to forgive somebody and it's been really hard. Let's just start there. Anybody at all? Sorry, the number of hands kind of overwhelming because I know we struggle with this you can put your hands down I want to ask this if you know this is private nobody's looking around just if you know that you need to ask forgiveness might be from your parents it might be from your spouse I don't know anybody like that you know you need to reconcile you need to do something all right see those hands I'd like you all to stand we're going to have a time here, and as Pastor Jeremy mentioned, we're going to, we, we have a fundraiser lunch for the youth missions trip, then we're coming back for, for prayer at 2. But if you need prayer right now, we want to pray with you. And this can be for the other two, the two things I mentioned, either you need help forgiving, you personally know that you need to forgive, or anything else. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you want to pray that God would would give you whatever gifts he's got for you. We'll pray for you. If, if you need physical healing, if you need anything at all, we are here to pray. So I just want to open up this time. And if you have one of those things, please respond. Come down and let's seek him.
fall apart You're the one that guides my heart Lord, I need you Oh, I need you And every hour I need you My one defense My righteousness sin runs deep your grace is born where grace is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free from holiness is Christ to me you as you uh, get ready to leave today. This is one of those sermons that might take a minute for you to uh, fully implement. God does that. I, w- I just challenge you to continue to be open 
for whoever you were thinking about to be praying for them. God wants to heal our hearts, every one of us. And he does it. He does it all the time. And when you see the freedom and healing on someone's face, ah, it's just a breath of fresh air. Continue as you, as you go. You know, we, of course, invite you to stay for lunch and help the, the youth missions team. Let's do this. Would you do this? Tell some stories of God's grace and forgiveness. Share that as much as you can. Hear some of these students' stories. I want to pray over you as you head, head out the doors. God bless you and keep them, Lord Jesus. I pray you make your face to shine upon them, Lord God. Bless everyone in this room. Help us, Lord, as we forgive. Help us to forgive. Help us, God, to extend forgiveness and then ask for forgiveness. I pray, Lord God, that as you have reconciled us, that we would be reconciled to each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we'll see you back at 2 o'clock. God bless you. Thank you.